the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to Titus. We are looking at a series called Dear Titus. Don't you even say Dear Titus? Dear Titus. Alright, Dear Titus. We'll be reading from the Passion Translation Version. Titus chapter 1. We are reading the whole chapter. Let's read together. One go. From Paul, God's willing slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ, the anointed one to Titus. The faith of God's chosen ones and lead them to the full knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Somebody say full knowledge. Full knowledge. <laughs> Partial knowledge is suicidal. Full knowledge is critical. Then go to verse 2. He says, which rests on the hope of eternal life. Who ever lies has promised. Verse 3. He unveiled. Through the preaching of the gospel, which was entrusted to me by the command of God, our life giver. Titus, you are my true son in the faith we share. May grace, peace, descend to you from God the Father and our Savior, the anointed one, Jesus. Five, the reason I stationed you in Crete was that set in what was left unfinished. And to raise and appoint church leaders in every city, just as I. Good. Each of them must be above reproach, devoted solely to his wife, whose children are believers, not bellows. Seven. The overseer, since he serves God's household, must be someone of blameless character and not opinionated or short-tempered. Or greedy. Instead, he should be one who is known for his hospitality and lover. He should be recognized as one who is fair-minded, pure-hearted, and self-controlled. Of the trustworthy message that has been taught, to both encourage Say healthy teaching. healthy teaching. Okay. There are many deceivers, especially converts from Judaism. Gentile. Uh, yeah, verse 11. They must be silent. They must be because they are disrupting entire families with their corrupt teachings. All for their a certain one of them, one of their own prophets, said, 
Those Cretans are nothing but liars, worthless beasts, and lazy gluttons. He certainly knew what he was talking about. For this reason, correct? So that their lives will line up with the truths of our faith. Instruct them not to pay attention to Jewish myths. Those who reject the truth. 15. It's true that all is pure to those who have pure hearts. But to the corrupt unbelievers, nothing is pure. Their minds and conscience. 16. They claim to know God, but they deny him. They are disgusting, disobedient, disqualified from doing anything good. Wow. Disgusting, disobedient, disqualified from doing anything good. May that never be used to describe us. Amen. Shout a better amen. amen. Okay, so we're looking at dear Titus. Somebody say dear Titus. Okay, and we said that this is a letter that was written to three personal letters Apostle Paul wrote. One was to Timothy, the other to Philemon, and then the other to Titus. Titus and Timothy are called pastoral letters. We've looked at that already. And last week, we began to take it a step further by looking at the introduction. You see, the reason why we are looking at Titus the whole series is dear Titus, but in this particular session, we are focusing on the introduction. The three I've done so far is introduction. We can do about one month or two months with the introduction because it's important we appreciate those key personalities and entities that have been mentioned in the book. Once you are studying the book, we have to know who the author is. We have to know who the recipients are or is, and then we have to know some key elements in the book so we can understand it properly. Now, Paul is writing, and the first session of the introduction, he tells us he's writing to Titus. That is Titus 1, verse 4. The New King James Version says, To Titus, a true son in our common faith. When we read the Passion Translation, he brought the recipient earlier, but begins with the introduction and he gets to Titus, a true son. Somebody say, A true son. Say a true son. Okay, so he tells us Titus is a true son. He's writing a letter from a father to a true son. Let's look at First Timothy 1 and 2. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Verse 2, let's read it together. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God our Father, Okay, so we, last week we said that the focus of the letter, among many things, we've looked at the number of things that are focused there, but particularly we began looking at the intro in the context of the recipient Titus. He wrote to Titus and then he describes him as a true son. He gave him a criteria for the people he should. He tells us, first of all, that Titus is a true son. Someone say, Titus is a true son. Let's look at verse 5. Titus 1, 5. For this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order things which are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. So, he says, I have left you in the island of Crete and you are to raise elders, raise sons, raise other people after your kind. And he begins to give us a criteria which establishes that these people you are supposed to raise were supposed to be true followers of Christ and the ministry of Paul. We say that, among many things, Paul had many sons. Somebody say many sons. Many sons. 
the whole church of Corinth, apart from the many churches he pioneered, there were the church of Corinth. He told them that you have many instructors, but not many fathers. I have begotten you through the gospel. So the entire church in Corinth could be described as children of Apostle Paul. But none of these people, of all the people that were in the church of Corinth, Paul never described any of them as true sons. The word true sons in his letters is used for only two individuals. One is Titus and the other is Timothy. Somebody say Timothy. Timothy. And last week we looked at what the word true means. We said it means genuine, sincere, one that is born legitimately. These were converts of Apostle Paul. These were people he has schooled in the word. These were people he had taught and raised in ministry. And that's what Paul sought to do. Now, today we want to continue a step further by looking at part two. But in part two, before we get into part two, we want to look at Titus and Timothy. Somebody say Titus and Timothy. We want to compare and contrast these two individuals and see what their lives can tell us before we get into the meat of tonight's message. Timothy was Jewish. His father was Jewish and then his mother was Jewish. But Titus was a Gentile. Somebody say Titus was a Gentile. Now, Galatians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. I want to help you so you know how to study God's word. That's what this teaching is about. It is not uh, just to give you knowledge, to help you how you study the word of God one after the other. So we are not rushing through anything. One go. Then after 14 years, I went up again to where? Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Okay, verse 2. I went up because of a revelation. And said before them, though privately, before those who seem influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But look at verse 3. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Okay, so Titus was a Greek, and then Timothy was a Jewish person. So later on, you realize that Timothy was circumcised, Titus was not. And this was to defend the gospel of uncircumcision as was given and delivered to Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 16, verse 1 to 5. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was their name. A disciple was their name, what? Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Okay, he was well spoken of by Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised. Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Huh. So you can see that you can have two sons who have been handled differently, sometimes based on where they are coming from. And sometimes when you don't understand these things, you can easily read partiality and all kinds of things into things. They are all designed to fulfill a certain purpose. One is circumcised, the other is not circumcised. And it's instructive. Number two, we also see that Titus appears to have a stronger personality than Timothy. Timothy again and again was encouraged. Paul, he used to tell him, don't allow anybody to despise you. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Because Timothy had a natural tendency to easily be bullied or afraid. Titus, on the other hand, was very strong. And the city he sent Titus to, if he wasn't strong, he could not function in that city. 
And that is why we see that. So we see again and again, he tells him, be strong in the grace that is given you in Christ. A lot of encouragement were needed. So it instructs us to help us to know that in our adventure to lead people to Christ and to raise people, people may have different personalities, but all people can be encouraged to do the work of the ministry. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can be encouraged to do the work of the ministry. Yeah, there are people who hide under their personality type and they don't want to work for God. Uh, I, I don't want to, uh, me, I'm the calm type. I'm the cool type. Now, everybody can be the cool type. But when it matters, if a lion is to appear now, you will not be the cool type. So your cool typeness is a hypocrisy because you have not found something of greater value to let it down for it. Are you here with me? Titus was strong and a city like Crete needed a strong leader like Titus. And then, number three, they were both young men. They were both young men. And that's one of the things I like here. First Timothy 4.12 Let no one despise your youth, but set believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Both were young people. Again, we see it in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. He said, Flee also youthful lust. When you are young, there are certain temptations that are very, very predominant and they are very common in your youth. So Paul was speaking to Timothy, say, flee youthful lust. Again, 1 Timothy 5, verse 1 and 2, he was instructing him on how to relate with the various people in the church. And listen to what he said, do not rebuke an older man. It meant that there were people in the church older than him. But exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers. Why was he to relate to them? Because he was like them. Relate to them as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters with all what? Purity. Turn to your neighbor and say, see the younger women as sisters. Yeah. <laughs> with all purity. <laughs> all right. Now, if you look at Titus, Titus also is a similar instruction he gave him. Titus chapter 2 verse 6 to 7, he says, In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them. Because you are young, be an example to them. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1, it says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. One of the best times to serve God is in your youthful years. Serving God in your youthful years will deliver you from many calamities and many regrets in your old age. If you devote your life and time to serve God, there is no way you regret it at the later end of your life. John chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. He said, I'm writing to you, little one, children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men. Somebody say, young men. Because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are what? Strong, and the word of God abides in you. Turn to your neighbor and say the word for day. you. Yeah. As a young man, you should be flowing with the word. How many verses can you quote? Some time ago, I saw a young boy who was doing commentary. Very gifted. And I was asking myself, I wish this guy could recite the scriptures like that. Yeah. Many of us can recite many things, but we don't have the word of God on our lips. If you are going to be strong as a young man and be able to overcome the temptations of a young man, 
you need to have the word of God dwelling in you. The Bible says, with what shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word of God. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Receive grace to be diligent in God's word. Amen. Receive grace to be disciplined in studying God's word. Amen. Number four is that Timothy is mentioned more frequently in the New Testament than Titus. These two guys were described, but Timothy is mentioned frequently in almost every letter, every one of Pauline letters, all his letters, all the letters of Paul mentioned Timothy. It's only in two that his names were not mentioned. In the letter to the church of Ephesus and in the church to the Galatians, the letter to the Galatian churches. Those were the only two places his name is not mentioned. He's mentioned about 38 times of the New Testament. Titus, on the other hand, is mentioned 19 times. He's mentioned in five letters, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then 2 Timothy and Titus. Now, number five, both of these guys function in two different cities. Somebody say function in two different cities. Yeah, they were in different locations, different locations. 1 Timothy 1.3 says, when I left from Macedonia, I urge you to stay where? In Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Did you see where Timothy was left? Where was Timothy located? Where was he located? He was asked to stay in Ephesus. Where was Titus left? Titus 1.5. I left you in the island of where? Crete. Titus 1.5. I left you in the island of Crete so you could complete the work there and appoint elders in this city as I instructed you. Now, I want to encourage you, don't just read uh, Titus. I think you should read Titus, Timothy, First Timothy. It will help you to get a, a better picture of these two letters. In fact, you can actually focus on First Timothy and Titus because the similarities are between those two letters. That's where most of them are. And then number six, they were confronted with similar challenges in ministry. Ministry is a very challenging job. And these guys were appointed in these cities and they were confronted with similar challenges. Titus was supposed to appoint and raise leaders and then also to deal with the matter of false teaching that was growing in the church. The same way if you read the book of the letter to Timothy, a number of times Paul instructs him to deal with false teaching. He also gave him the same criteria with a few additions on how to appoint and raise leaders. And then, and number seven is that they were both true sons of Apostle Paul. They were in different cities, but they were true sons. These guys were both true sons. Paul describes them as true sons. What was unique about these two guys? That made Paul describe them the way he described them. Of the many people, Paul had many companions. If you spend some time reading the book of Romans chapter 16, he outlines a number of people he had ministry with, or he did ministry with. A lot of people are mentioned. But he singles out these two guys, Timothy and Titus, and he calls them true sons. It is exciting and a joy to work with true sons in ministry. There is nothing as difficult, hurtful, and painful working with people who are not sons and those who are also false sons. Praise the Lord. And the focus of my teaching is to help you to become a true son in this house and in this ministry. If you are a member of this church, my focus is to raise you up as a true son and also help you to raise others after your type. If we leave you in this church as a fake or a false son, 
you will raise four sons. And we can have multiple kinds of four sons in this place. Can somebody say an amen? amen? So you have to listen and listen real good. Because that's where I'm now stepping into the meat of my message. He said, remain a true son and raise true sons. What was about these two guys that Paul described them, made Paul describe them as true sons? Look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 19 to 24 with me. And 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 14 to 18. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 14. Let's start from there first before we come to Philippians. Okay. Now for the third time I'm ready to come to you. And I will not be burdening some to you. Bible scholars believe that Paul wrote three letters to the church of Corinth. One of them is not unaccounted for. And so we have first and second Corinthians. But there's a third one which he's supposed to have written but was not accounted for. I don't know whatever reason they give. But that is it, the one he's talking about here. He said, for, now for the third time, I'm ready to come to you and I will not be burdening some to you. For I do not seek yours by you. For the children ought not to lay up for their parents, but the parents for the children. Look at verse 15. He says, I will be very gladly spent and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am. The less I am. But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Look at verse number 17. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? Follow that. I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same, Spirit. in the same, Spirit. in the same, Spirit. in the same, Spirit. in the same? Spirit. Did we not walk in the same steps? Did we not walk in the same spirit? And did we not walk in the same steps? Take note of those things. Very, very important. This is about Titus. Okay, go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 24. But I trust in the Lord. Let's read it together. One go. But I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all see their not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself praise the Lord. These two chapters reveal quite a lot about these two guys. And this is where we'll be staying this week and maybe next week. Okay, so what made these guys unique? What made Apostle Paul describe them as true sons? Number one, the first thing we see in both verses is that a true son in the ministry is sendable. Somebody say a true son in the ministry is sendable. You see? If you are going to be effective, you should be able to have people you can delegate responsibilities to. If you are going to be effective in any capacity, whether it's a corporate work or ministry work, any kind of work you are doing, you have to find reliable people you can delegate responsibilities to. And Timothy and Titus were such people to Paul. He could send them. 
He will be in prison, arrested, and in chains, but he could send them. Ministry could go on regardless of the state Apostle Paul was in because these guys were reliable. If you read Proverbs chapter 25, verse 13, the good news version, he said, a reliable messenger is refreshing to the one who sends him. Like cold water in the heat of harvest time, a reliable messenger. May you be a reliable messenger. May you be a reliable messenger. Many, 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 many people are very unreliable. You send them, either they will not go, some of them can tell you in the face they are not going. Others will go, but they will do their own thing. Others will go, they will change the message. But when you send a true son, when he goes, he executes the task just as he was given to. Am I communicating here? That they are sendable. You know why we are saved? Jesus came on earth for us as a true son from the Father. That's why we are saved. When he came, he could have changed the agenda. When he became very tough, he could have changed the agenda. On the cross, he was praying, my father, it's not my will. I really wish something different. I wish I would do something else. But not my will, but thy will be done. That's why you and I are saved. And we read John chapter 20, verse 21. He said, as the father has sent me, even so, send I you. That's why Jesus came. He came and he finished the task. It was not easy. The Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who was being in the form of God, taught no robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, obeying the Father's call, took him to the point of the cross. Most people will only do what is convenient and what is comfortable, but they won't stretch themselves. And if you are going to be a true son, a true son stretches himself. A true son doesn't do what is convenient. He goes an extra mile. I'm not communicating here. That's the mark of a true son. Paul was in prison, about to die. He said, Timothy, I want you to come to me before I go. He was always longing for such people. Why? Because he could trust them and send them. You have to be trustworthy in the house of God. I'm not communicating here. When we send you, we should be at rest. We should be at peace. Sometimes you go to some churches and some places and it's like one man who is doing everything. Sometimes you may be quick to blame, but when the people are not reliable and you give them a responsibility, nothing can get done. But when you prove yourself as a reliable person, sometimes other people even feel jealous that certain people are the only people who have been asked to do things. Certain people are the only people who are mentioned. Check the number of times Timothy is mentioned. Not everybody whose name is mentioned in the Bible. Paul was not calling out just every name. But there were unique names he mentioned repeatedly. And it was because of their usefulness and resourcefulness to him as an apostle. I'm not communicating here. How resourceful are you in the house of God? Are you the type who just attends and goes without making any meaningful contribution to the work? Or you are the type who is concerned and obsessed with advancing the cause of Christ in this place? That's what we are talking about. A true son is sendable. Somebody say a true son is sendable. He said, I trust to send Timothy shortly to you. He said, when I sent Titus to you, when I sent him to you, he did the same thing I would have done. I hope to send Timothy to you who will show you my ways in the Lord because he had to know the ways to show it. Number two, a true son carries the same spirit. Somebody say he carries the same spirit. You see, the reason why you can send a true son is because he carries the same spirit. Paul said, I sent Titus to you, and did we not walk in the same spirit? That's why he sent him. 
So don't worry yourself about why is it that I'm not given a responsibility? Why is it that I'm not asked to do things? What you must concern yourself with is whether or not you have caught the spirit of the house. Sometimes people come to church and as soon as they join, they want to lead a song on stage. They want to be given opportunity to lead prayer. It doesn't just work like that. I'm not communicating here. Yeah, we don't even know you. We don't know you. You also don't know us. But you think maybe because your voice is loud, we should give you a microphone to come and pray. It doesn't work like that. He said, did we not walk in the same spirit? Listen, if you have leadership role anywhere and people come fresh, no matter how gifted they are, let them find a place and sit and watch and learn. I'm not communicating here. If you suddenly give people opportunity, they can easily mess your whole system up. I'm not communicating here. I have learned that by experience in ministry. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Carries the same spirit. Somebody say the same spirit. The same. the same spirit. God is not looking for a confused bundle of people to work with. God always work with a united group of people. Somebody say united group of people. United. If God was a sports fan, I'm sure he would support Manchester United. Yeah. Because he is united forever. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. <laughs> and he expects us to be one. He prayed. He said, this is my prayer that we may all be one. Right from Revelation, we call the Revelation, the book of Genesis, we see the Revelation and the power of oneness in everything we do. He said, these people are one. And that which they have imagined to do, nothing shall restrain them. Nothing shall restrain them. Nothing shall restrain them. I remember one pastor came here some time back, some pastor from another church, he came here and after the service, he passed a comment to somebody, and I heard it. So I called him, and I told him, listen, what you saw is how Bible ministry is run. If you run ministry the way you think it ought to be run, you missed it. Follow the Bible. He said he visited our church sometime, but I wasn't here, and everybody was acting like me. I said, they should act like you. <laughs> yeah, I called him. I called him with this. I said, do you expect them to act like you? You don't know Bible. <laughs> somebody said the same spirit. Yeah, the same spirit. If you don't have our spirit, you can't function with us. Am I communicating here? Yeah, yeah. We are not building a church with different, different things. We are building a church based on the Bible and with one same spirit. Look at Numbers eleven sixteen to 17. He says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 17 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people, and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of the meeting, that they may stand there with you. Verse 17. He said, then I will come down, let's read it together. I will come down and talk with you there and I will take of the spirit that is upon you and I will put the same upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. That is God's wisdom. I'm not communicating here. And you can't ignore God's wisdom and be fruitful and effective. Ministry has to be done God's way by God's methods. Somebody say God's way. And God's methods. Okay, so you need to operate with the same spirit. Somebody say the same spirit. Don't see doing things the same way as wrong. If your mindset is that when people do one thing the same way, they are wrong. You are wrong. I'm not communicating here. Particularly as it relates to matters of the kingdom. We function in the same way. There's one Bible. In fact, in Ephesians, he said there's one God, one faith, one hope, one baptism, one Lord. One spirit, one Lord over all. One Lord. Everything is one. Somebody say everything is one. Everything is one. Ah, everything is one. Number three. 
A true son is a great source of encouragement and joy to his father. A true son is a great source. A great source. Ask your neighbor, are you a source of encouragement? Yeah, in this house, are you a source of encouragement? Because there are some of the people, they are discouraged. If you look at their attitude, their behavior, you'll find some other job to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If you look at some people, their attitude, and sometimes some of them are even leaders, their attitude, their mindset, and the way they look at you, they view, they relate with you, you don't know why they are here. Whether they are for you or against you. And sometimes the dangerous things are such people are not also willing to go anywhere. Yeah. Sometimes you wish they were gone and you'll be free, but they are here. They are here with their own mind. They do things their own way. Everybody is saying this. They will not even say anything so that you know what they are thinking. They are always quiet. I'm not communicating here. I honestly don't like quiet people. People who are extremely quiet, all the time quiet. When a matter is coming, they, they always don't have an opinion. No, 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 no. They are dangerous people. Yeah, they are dangerous people. Because they are afraid when they talk, you know what they are thinking. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And because they are always silent, you can't explain what is in their mind. Yeah. But sometimes you see what is in their mind by their actions. Yeah. The things they do, the things they don't do, you see it. Bible says by their fruit which are... Look at Philippians chapter 2. We are talking about Timothy here. Timothy and Titus. Great source of encouragement. Listen, ministry is a very challenging job. And if you happen to be in a church, those of you who are members of this church in particular, you have to be a great source of encouragement to leadership. Don't in any way seek to undermine the work we do. Apart from the fact that on judgment day, God will deal with you. You also frustrate our work. Am I communicating here? Yeah. You frustrate our work. You make our work even more difficult. Because ministry is a very tasking job. I'm not communicating here. Super, super tasking. Super tasking. There is no job on the planet as difficult. A job that demands spirit, soul, and body like ministry work. If you want to do it, and do it well. But many people don't think like that. The least benefit they see a pastor experience, then their eyes are all open. That's all. But the sacrifices pastors go through, you have no idea of. You have no idea whatsoever. You have no idea whatsoever. He said, I trust in the Lord to send Timothy, send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. When I send Timothy, I know I'll be encouraged. A source of encouragement. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5 to 7. This is Paul speaking about Titus. He said, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. Why? We face conflict where? Everywhere. With battles on the outside and fear. That's ministry. The fears I'm confronted with in ministry, I can't tell you. Because if I tell you, you will not be here. And if you don't come here too, your own problems will kill you. Am I communicating here? Yeah, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. So it's always a joy when you have one or two sons who understand you and you can share and open up. Because there are some sons, when you share it with them, what they will even say or think, you will regret telling them. So you just have to keep it to yourself. Am I communicating here? Yeah. When you come to church, you see pastor is flowing with a certain group of people very, very well. It's not by accident though. There's a certain connection. Am I communicating here? Yeah. They share similar interests and goals. He says, but God, look at this. 
let's start from verse 5 again. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from where? Every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. Paul is talking about people who are laying in wait to kill and to destroy him physically. And he's talking about the battles that are going on within him. Fierce inside. Uncertainties. Betrayers. All kinds of pains that has gone on over the period within him. And he came to the place like that. He says, when we arrived there, there was no rest. Now look at verse 7. But God, somebody say, but God. Who encourages those who are discouraged? Encouraged us by the arrival of who? Titus. Yeah. Yeah. God encouraged. Look, at, I like the way he said. He said, God who encourages those who are discouraged. Then he tells you God does not encourage people to a vacuum. He tells you God encourages people through people. God encourages people through people. Oh, pastor, you are full of the spirit. Why should you be discouraged? You don't know Bible. Yeah, you don't know Bible. Are you not full of the spirit? Doesn't the Holy Spirit live in you also? Yeah. Yeah. Can pastor come and tell you on Sunday morning, I feel so discouraged this morning. Ah, they say, pastor, he's not, he's not powerful. No, that's what you say. You say, pastor, he's not powerful. And that's why a lot of ministers make themselves superpowers. And they die before their time. No, I'm no superpower. I'm as powerful as the Holy Ghost makes me. Am I communicating here? And there are times where you are down literally. You are down. But because you are not a true son, I can't tell you. Yeah, that's the worst part of it. You see, it's not being down. It's being down and not being able to express it to someone. Praise the Lord. He said, I was encouraged by the coming of Titus. When Titus came, I was very encouraged. When you come, are we encouraged? Some of you, when you are here, we are not encouraged. When you go, we are not encouraged. What's, what's your use? Really, what's your use? What benefit do you really bring to the kingdom? You have little or no value. Am I communicating here? Yeah. There are some people, when they are far away, they encourage you. There are people who are travel out. When you are speaking with them, the things they say, you feel that they really care. They are really concerned about the church and they are really committed to them. There are people also here. They can be bothered. They can be bothered. They can be bothered. They can be bothered. Ask your neighbor, which one do you belong to? He says, God who encourages those who are discouraged. Somebody say, God who encourages those who are discouraged. Encouraged us by how? By the arrival of Titus. How? Verse 7. He said, his presence was a joy. But so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us how much you longed to see me and how sorry you were for what happened and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy. I'm not communicating here. When you meet a true son, you are always filled with joy. You are always filled with joy. Joy, 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 joy. I pray that you become a true son here. Amen. Now listen, by the grace of God, we will do the work anyhow, anyway, whether you are a true son or not. But it will be in your best interest to be a true son. Yeah. Because that's the only way you can be a partaker of the grace and the anointing that working in this place. Yeah. A true son, number four, is like-minded or has a kindred spirit. Is like-minded or has a kindred spirit. And we see that in verse 20. He said, for I have no one like-minded. Philippians 2.20. Everything we are looking at is coming from here. A few may be taken out of certain places, but likely we are staying here. He said, I have no one like-minded who will naturally care for your state. 
I have no one like-minded who would sincerely care for your state. Now let's look at Philippians, yeah, the same, the Amplified Classics. For I have no one like him. May we have no one like you. Amen. I said, may we have no one like you. Amen. Yeah. May we have one, no one like you. He said, I have no one like him. No one of so kindred a spirit who will be so genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your interests. Did you see that? When we say someone has a kindred spirit, he shares similar interests. There's no sense of pretense or this and around them. When you see them, you are calm. You are yourself because they have a kindred spirit. Sometimes when a person has a kindred spirit, you think virtually the same way. By the time you are conceiving something and you share it with the person, the person gives you the same viewpoint. But when you are dealing with somebody whose spirit is different, every time his opinion is different. Every time he has a different opinion. He thinks different. His approach is different. And most of the time, all the approaches are to safeguard his selfish interest. He doesn't want to do, give you any opinion that will provoke him to make a sacrifice. He wants to live a convenient Christian life. And so that's how he wants to go. And when you deal with such people, you can advance the cause of Christ. I'm not complicating here. You need people who are self-sacrifice, that are ready to lay down their lives for Christ. Those are the people we advance the cause of Christ with. A kindred person shares a lot of things in common. He's ready to learn. Number five. Number five. A true son cares sincerely for the church. Somebody say, a true son. Say, a true son cares sincerely for the church. Ask your neighbor, do you care for the church? Yeah, do you, do you care for the church? Do you tithe here? Yeah. Do you care for the church? Whether our bills are paid or not, do you care? Whether we are able to buy equipment for the ministry or not, do you care? Whether we build or not, do you care? Now, there are people who are in church like they can't be bothered at all. They don't care about the church. They are just here. Create a nice atmosphere. Let me come and enjoy and go home. You are the type of person that Paul described. He said you are disgusted. You are disqualified from every. You are disobedient. You remember those two words he used? Yeah, when we started, he said you are disobedient, you are disqualified, you, you are disqualified from every good work. And if you are disqualified here, there you are already disqualified before you get there. Am I communicating here? Yeah, you are already disqualified. Do you care? Let's read Philippians 2 again. <laughs> A true son sincerely cares. He cares. He cares. Let's read it together. One go. To send Timothy to you shortly. That I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Verse 20. For I have no one like-minded who sincerely cares for your state. That was Timothy. He was one who cares. Do you know what Apostle Paul's greatest concern was? It was not to uh, live in a certain mansion. Or, no. His greatest obsession and concern was the church. The welfare of the church. He made great sacrifices for the church. A lot of them. And it took people who provoke him to actually outline some of the sacrifices he made. Because most of the time, that's how it is. The real sacrifices that leaders make for ministry, usually they don't talk about them. Except to encourage or when they are provoked. Because when you say it, people can't even appreciate it. They can't. But one day he was provoked. Some people were describing him as a lesser apostle. He felt that others were better apostles than him. So in his provocation, he said, listen, 
if you think some people are apostles because of what they do and because of the charges they levy at you, hey, I am a superior apostle. And I can tell you a lot of things I've done. And he started speaking. And he spoke. And when he spoke and spoke and spoke, he came down to, he started speaking from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. When you go spend time and read that, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22 to 28, thereabout. When he finished, he said, besides these painful circumstances, what are the painful circumstances? You will find them from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. That's where he started listing all the painful circumstances. And he's saying that beside all of these, there is also one concern. I have a daily pressure of my responsibility for all the churches. With deep concern, weighing heavily on my heart for their welfare. I'm not communicating here. Deep concern. You come to church. Bills are outstanding. Whether they are paid or not, you can't be bothered. And yet you are expecting to hear good word. Yeah. You see how careless you are? You see how less concerned you can be? And that's how a lot of believers live their lives. So, when you meet the Father on Judgment Day, don't expect we're done. <laughs> don't expect we're done at all. It's not everybody who's going to. Most of the time, people say, All I want to see is that on the day my Father will say, We're done, good and faithful. Good and what? Good and what? What you are going to receive is bad work, unprofitable servants. Bad and unprofitable and selfish servants. Some of us, that is the commendation we are going to receive on Judgment Day. But I pray that shall not be your testimony. I said, I pray that shall not be your testimony. Amen. You see, you have to understand why you are safe and what God will have you do as a child of God. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Because the way you are running your life now, you think that is the best way to do it. You are on the wrong course. If you are not living your life for Christ, the reason why Christ died is so you live for him, not that you live for self. He didn't come to die so that you enjoy your life. He died so you will live for him and through your life, others can be imparted by the life he brought. I'm not communicating here. That's it. The living a better life is only a bonus and it's only a plus and a blessing to the degree you have lived your life for others. But most people don't think about that at all. A lot of us here, all we are looking for is an opportunity. When we get an opportunity to travel, that's all. That's all. Then it will be over. When something happens, when we have to make a choice, kingdom is not a factor that we consider in. You are living for yourself and not for Christ. Titus and Timothy demonstrated care, genuine care. Somebody say genuine care. Genuine, 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 genuine care. Look at Titus, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, 16 to 18. He says, But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you in the heart of who? Titus, the same care. The same passion, the same concern. We need money for a special agent work. And you make a call. A true son will go an extra mile to make a sacrifice. But a son who is not true one will hold on. He has plans already. He cannot be affected. No, I can't make this sacrifice now. I think I gave my first fruit. That should be enough for the year. I'm not communicating here. They just give conveniently. That's all. That's not a true son. That's a false son. I'm not communicating here. That's a false son, not a true son. The same care, the same concern, they share the same thing. The same, the same, the same. Look at this. Second Corinthians 7, verse 13 to 16. He said, we have been greatly encouraged by this. 
In addition to our encouragement, we're especially delighted to see how happy Titus was about the way all of you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him how proud I was of you and you didn't disappoint me. I have always told you the truth and now I'm boasting to Titus. My boasting to Titus has also proved true. Now he cares for you more than ever when he remembers all, the way all of you obeyed him and welcomed him with such fear and give respect. He cares for, he cares for, he cares for. How are you supposed to live your life as a true son? Care for the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, care for the church. Care for the church. Don't be in the church and be careless about the church. Care for the church. Be concerned about the things in the church. Yeah. Don't come to church and put a gum in your mouth and when you finish, you put it under the chair. It shows you are careless about the church. You don't care about the church. Am I communicating here? Yeah. People sit on chairs and they put the chew gum, they put, I mean, I can't get it. One day I'll be teaching on church manners and I'll talk about things like that because, no, the book we are dealing with is a book about church. Titus, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, all the things, how church is done, that's what we are dealing with. So I'm not going to say anything different. Those are the things I'm going to be saying. Praise the Lord. So you will know how to live your life in the house of God. Stand on your feet and let's thank God and pray. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.